102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this particular week. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post your comments on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, you can do so. Get to the point. Please don't suck. Make the show better if you can. Try really, really hard to make the show better. You can pull it off. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Subscribe to the podcast. We put out a podcast every afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcast. Check it out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We put that out each afternoon also. Uh, what happens on Fridays on this show has been happening for quite some time just because I'm on an email chain of record executives uh, who provide uh, focus group data about various songs through the years. These are a list of songs that no one likes, everyone hates. Uh, they are cringeworthy. They break terrorists. They break up hostage situations with these songs. Nobody has ever liked any of these songs. They're awful. I just call them songs that suck. And your job is to pick the year, the artist, and the song title. If you feel like it, take me away and make it okay. I swear I'll behave. You wanted control. None. Zero. There's never been one. And don't anyone try to tell me otherwise. It's all garbage. Okay, the artist is the metal group Maroon 5. Totally metal. At death metal, I would suggest. <laughs> uh, Maroon 5 moves like Jagger. Correct. And the year is 2000. Five. Mm. You were so close to a three for three. 2010, actually. Whatever. None of it. It's impossible for them to make a good song. It doesn't, it just can't exist. Not only does it not exist, it's never even possible. And if any of you like it, you go away right now. It's a great way to start the show, telling the audience to go away. I need you to go away. All right, so the NFL awards have been handed out, and they are all predictable for the most part because I'm going to get pissed. I never get mad about this stuff, but this one makes me mad. Um, they're predictable for the most part. There's very little argument. I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with almost all of them, and then one of them has just set me off. But Lamar Jackson is the NFL MVP ahead of Dak Prescott. And Christian McCaffrey. That was predictable. Miles Garrett of the Browns was the defensive player of the year, which makes a lot of sense. Christian McCaffrey was the offensive player of the year, and that really just means you're the best player in the league that's not a quarterback. I can make the case, this is not what I'm upset about, but I can make a case that he was the best player in the NFL this past year. I mean, he led the league in touchdowns. He led the league in rushing yards, which is still matters, not much, but it still matters. He led the league in first downs. 
And then he had this ridiculous stat of 44 runs over 10 yards. That's unheard of anymore in a day and age when running backs don't matter very much. And he did all of that, and he missed almost two full games, maybe more than two full games. So he's Offensive Player of the Year, which means you're sort of the MVP that's not the quarterback. C.J. Stroud of the Texans was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. That had to happen. His most ridiculous stat about C.J. Stroud this past season, this would be true of a five-year vet, 10-year vet, or 15-year vet. The fact that it's a guy that just stepped into the league makes it even more amazing. C.J. Stroud had 191 pass attempts without an interception. Like I said, that's good for any player at any stage of their career. The Defensive Rookie of the Year, just to show you how far the Texans have come and how they're no longer a total train wreck. In fact, they're just the opposite of a total train wreck, and it happened pretty quickly. Their Defensive Rookie of the Year is their edge rusher, Will Anderson Jr. So all that stuff was fairly predictable. Okay, they are reasonable selections. You, you could have sort of minor debates here and there. I doubt that anyone's jumping up and down saying, "Hey, look, Dak Prescott should have been the MVP. He had a really good year statistically." But I, I don't think there's much pushback. Then you get to this. This is outrageous. I don't know where to find bias. No, I do know where. Actually, I do know where. It's not where you think it is. I do know where I found the bias. Okay, so the one that is outrageous is the coach of the year. It's just wrong. I mean, it's wrong. And I'm going to make you an argument why it's so wrong and so it's, it's so outrageous. It is shockingly wrong. Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, and he is the coach of the year. Barely. But he's coach of the year. And it shouldn't have even been close, by the way. The Browns won 11 games. They ended up with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I suspect that's why he won coach of the year. He still didn't deserve it. This is outrageous. But I'm just going to tell you the 2023 resume of Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns. And I keep saying Browns because I think that is the difference here. I think that's what made the decision. And I think it's outrageous. I think it's pretty unfair. So he has Joe Flacco's quarterback, and everybody looked at that and said, well, gosh, Joe's 70 years old. Not that Joe, the one that's 100 years old. Joe's 70 years old, and you're doing pretty well with him. You must be coach of the year, and it's wrong. It's, that's, not, that's not a fair assessment. Kevin Stefanski did a really good job. He shouldn't have won this award, and I think he won it because he's the coach of the Cleveland Browns. The guy who should have won it is an obscure franchise that no one cares about. The Browns are the lovable losers. It doesn't apply here. I think it's completely wrong. I think it is illogical. I think maybe any other year you could make a case for this guy. But I think the bias here is that it's the lovable losers, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, and that old guy Joe Flacco. So of course you did a great. You should be the coach of the year. It's BS. No, 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 not, not even close. The other guys on the list, just to set this up, the other guys on the list did a good job, uh, no doubt. Dan Campbell of the Lions, even though they're supposed to be pretty good. I mean, keep that in mind. You know, t- 
teams that were supposed to be pretty good did a pretty good job. But Dan Campbell, the Lions, Kyle Shannon, the 49ers, meh. I thought they were supposed to be in the Super Bowl. John Harbaugh of the Ravens, meh. I thought they were supposed to be in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, those were predictable too. The only terrible, I mean, the really the terrible coaching jobs that jump off the page, these are easy. These are easy. There's three of them. They jump off the page as terrible. The guys who did a good job, I think, jump off the page. One of them leaps off the page. But the guys that did a bad job this year, this is simple. Uh, terrible coaching jobs. The names were Belichick, who's out. A coach named Sirianni, who's not out, but should be out. And then a guy in Dallas named Mike McCarthy, who should be out. They did terrible jobs coaching. That we know. Forget that. Coach of the year. Wow. This is this is nuts. The fact that D'Amico Ryans of the Texans didn't win coach of the year is absolutely outrageous. Let, let me run through all the what I thought were obvious reasons why he's coach of the year. And the reason why I don't think he's coach of the year is because the Browns are lovable losers. And no one cares about the Texans. No one. They're so nondescript, their head coach, who did nothing short of a miracle, can't even win coach of the year. So here are the Texans' win totals before D'Amico Ryans became the head coach. Okay? In 2020, the Texans had won four games. 2021, the Texans won four games. In 2022, the Texans won three games. His first year as the head coach of the Texans, a dumpster fire of a franchise, a franchise that gets everything wrong. They've been a joke. Did you not hear the win totals? Four, four, and three. They won 11 games this year. They had an eight-game turnaround. Now tell me, everyone, how it is you have an eight-game turnaround and you're not coach of the year material, I'd like to know. How do you go four, four, and three and wins? A dude shows up and he wins 11, and I'm not even finished with what else they did. It's an eight-game turnaround. How are, you not, how are you not coach of the year material? How? But Jeff, Jeff, the Cleveland Browns won 11. Yeah, I know. They were supposed to. No one with a pulse. No one. Those of us who think we know what we're doing, there's no way anyone saw 11 wins. No way. I would have lamed the head coach of the Houston Texans coach of the year with six wins. They got 11. They won their division. How is that not coach of the year material? When you take over the Texans, four wins, four wins, three wins, 11 wins, and you've won your division with the Texans. How is that not Coach of the Year material? The guy that was named Coach of the Year, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns, won 11 games. D'Amico Ryans, just so you know, won 11 games. And that's not Coach of the Year material? Hmm. All right, so I'll give you the deciding factors, other than I think the real factor here that worked against D'Amico Ryans, which I think is just outrageous. I mean... Every other selection, I think it's not, I don't think it's that debatable. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I think the reason why is because he coaches the Texans, 
And the other guy coaches the Cleveland Browns. And it's not anti-Texans bias because no one cares. The bias is no one cares. Everyone cares and knows of the Browns. Everybody who makes votes on this stuff knows the Browns as the lovable losers. There is no more immediate losing franchise than the Houston Texans. There's not. The Browns aren't as bad as the Texans. The Browns, the Browns were supposed to have a good year. Did anyone think the Texans would have a good year? No. So let me give you the reasons, the deciding factors. If you were sitting there trying to decide coach of the year and you've got Kevin Stefanski of the Browns or D'Amico Ryans of the lousy, pathetic, directionless Houston Texans. Okay, you ready? Number one. How about this one? Seems like a deal breaker to me. Houston destroyed Cleveland in their playoff game. They beat them 45-14. If you had a tiebreaker and you said, well, they both have 11 wins and they both done a really good job coaching, well, the fact that one team kicked the other team's ass would not decide it. It's 45-14. The Texans beat the Browns. Oh, but they had Joe Flacco. D'Amico Ryan's had a guy his first year. You've got to be kidding. 45-14. Texans v. Browns. And here's the reason D'Amico Ryans is coach of the year and not Kevin Stefanski. Here's the reason why D'Amico Ryans should be coach of the year. It should have been a sweep by the Texans, which is just amazing to even think about. But they deserved it. This is, I'm not saying this to be a homer. I'm anything but. I'm saying this that this is absurd that a guy that took over a franchise that was lost four wins, four wins, three wins, and then they won a division title with a rookie quarterback. But here, here's the real reason he should win and nobody else should even be in the ballpark. The Cleveland Browns were supposed to be good. The 49ers were supposed to be a Super Bowl team. The Ravens were supposed to be a Super Bowl team. Practically, the Lions were supposed to be a Super Bowl team. The Cowboys were supposed to be a Super Bowl. I mean, we can go down the list. Okay? The Houston Texans were expected to be trash again. Again. They were on the board, because I know because I bet against them. They were on the board for the betting public at a win total of four. Four. And it's a pretty reasonable number because that's usually what they do. Four. And they won 11. And destroyed Cleveland. Are you kidding me? Um, the Texans had, I, I said, and most normal people would have said, it's a really good year if they win six. I think I made a joke that you should build a statue of someone who coaches the Houston Texans and win six games. Well, they won their division win 11. They played the Baltimore Ravens in round two of the playoffs and played them off their feet for a half. And he's not coach of the year. When they were on the board, it went four. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it further. And again, I've, I, I've ripped the Texans for as long as I can remember for good reason. You know, of anybody that... that of anyone who deserved the award from the Texans organization, it was D'Amico Ryan. I mean, th- this is, of all the awards that were handed out, I think this one was the easiest to select. This wasn't just one of the best coaching jobs. No, this wasn't just the best coaching job of 2023. 
Okay? And I'm not kidding about this. It wasn't just the best coaching job of 2023. It was one of the best coaching jobs of the last 10 to 15 years. It was a close vote. Yeah, I think a difference of one vote between Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans. But I don't care. It's outrageous that D'Amico Ryans is not coach of the year. It really was one of the best coaching jobs of the past 10 to 15 years. I don't know of any argument. I dare anyone to argue otherwise. Tell me someone else that deserved this award more than the guy that went from three wins to 11 and two deep in the playoffs with the Texans. Okay, keep that in mind. The Texans. Um, it's, it's just outrageous. Uh, the only reason, okay, I, the only reason I can think of that he's not coach of the year is just because the fact that you put 11 wins next to the Cleveland Browns name, everyone thinks it's a miracle. No one thinks, and you should, it's an even greater miracle when you put 11 wins next to the Texans name. But I think that's it. I think it really boils down to the fact that the Texans are nondescript. Nobody cares. They've never been on the radar. Yes, everyone acknowledges what a good job he did. Everyone acknowledges C.J. Stroud. There's stuff to acknowledge there. But it doesn't have the merit, I guess, to people of the lovable losers, the Cleveland Browns. Wasn't just the best coaching job of 2023. It's one of the best. I can't think of another. I cannot. It's the best coaching job of the last 10 to 15 years. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Suck, name the artist, the year, and the title. How much longer? Oceans apart, day after day. Well, and I slowly go. There's a seventh grade dance for you right there. That is licking the side of each other's face song. That's what that is. All right. That would be the horrific Richard Marks. I hope he's alive before I say terrible things about it. Horrific. Absolutely awful. Richard Marks with an X, I believe. Waiting for you, I'm going to assume. So close. He just said it. Right here waiting. Oh, right here waiting. Right here waiting. Like I said, I was licking the side of someone's face, I believe. Richard Marks, right here waiting. Gosh, no, that's got to be early 80s. 80, 1980. 1989. Almost a 90s hit. You mean I did make out to that song? (laughs) You might have. I might have. (laughs) Wow. That was awfully immature of me at that stage in life. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. 1989? Nine. There's no way. If this I just show what, tell you what the internet uh, tells if me. If this doesn't sound like 1980, what does? I mean, technically it is. Yeah. It's in oh the 80s. Oh, my gosh, this is bad. 
Oh it's beautiful. God. You know Ed made out to this song, too. He loves oh, sure, it. He probably him. still listens to this by song. By himself. <laughs> Make it stop. So beautiful. Oh, Richard Marks. <laughs> Aren't they all? Does he have other songs? I'm sure they're all the same. You want to know something remarkable about the San Francisco 49ers? How they've overcome one of the worst trades in football history. Congratulations, Dallas. I don't think people fully appreciate what a stupid thing they did and how they got out of it. This is normally, for an NFL franchise, normally a deal. Now, this is a decade of damage. When you get it wrong on a quarterback, you are screwed for the next several years. When you trade up and get it wrong for a quarterback, you should be toast for a decade. It is amazing that they're in the Super Bowl as the best roster in football, and I think I know why. But this is a colossal screw-up that's rarely talked about. I mean, for good reasons, because they've overcome it. Not many franchises in history, when you go back and look at idiotic trades, idiotic quarterback trades, usually franchises are screwed. The Raiders went through it for years. The Browns went through it for years. Uh, Yahoo Sports has a story about this today. It's a, it's a pretty amazing read. It's, it's amazing to think how dumb they were. What is regarded as a brilliant franchise? Regarded as one of the worst NFL trades in history. You ready for it? The San Francisco 49ers acquired the number three pick in the 2021 draft and traded first-round picks in 2021, 2022, and 2023, along with a 2022 third-round pick to the Miami Dolphins. Four picks, three first-rounders to move up for the number three pick, and you've already dumped the guy. And you're in the Super Bowl. Trey Lance was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. He played at North Dakota State and by every measurement had a good season. They gave up three first-round draft picks. This is one of the dumbest trades, the least productive trades in NFL history. He got four, he had four starts. He had four starts. He had five touchdown passes. That's it. You know where he is now, right? They traded with the Dallas Cowboys, of course, for a 2024 fourth-round pick. Trey Lance did not play a single game for the Cowboys this season. I have no idea why the Cowboys did that. I don't know. But but it's not anywhere near as stupid as what the 49ers did to get him. It's just it's unheard of to be able to survive swinging and missing on a quarterback. But swinging and missing when you've given away three first-round picks to do it. Here's how. They got bailed out. They got bailed out by the seventh round pick of the 2022 draft. And the reason why they're not completely damaged goods is they got a really good quarterback by the name of Brock Purdy in the seventh round. Best of all, though, this is what's saving them for now. They got their starting quarterbacks cheap. They have money to spread around. But it is, um, I mean, I can't even come up with many comparisons of giving away so much and getting it all completely wrong. 
Now, to their credit, they just bailed. Like they said, screw it. We're not even going to try to force this thing. We're out. We're out on this guy. Oh, Dallas? Uh, sure, take him for a six-pack of beer. Three first-round picks to move up to number three for a guy you didn't even keep for more than two years. It's one of the worst trades in NFL history, and Brock Purdy saved their ass. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're genius to find him. Come on. Give me a break. They stumbled into him. But that is, I mean, he's really saved that entire franchise from a total train wreck. The Raiders did the almost exact same thing several years ago, and they didn't recover for six years, even 10 years, really. We'll go down as one of the dumbest draft moves of easily the last 30 years, some would say in draft history, only for a team to survive it perfectly fine and be playing for another Super Bowl title. Oh, and finding Dallas dumb enough to take him. How about that? But Dallas, to Dallas's credit, I guess, not quite sure what they're thinking, but they didn't use much to get him. The 49ers almost gave away their entire franchise to move up at the draft to take a guy from North Dakota State who couldn't even play a year. And they might win the Super Bowl. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Stabbing myself in the thigh. Name the year, artist, and song title. I'm sailing away. Set an open course no. for the bunch no. and see. It's not okay. All right. Uh, songs that suck. That would be Sticks because I don't think Sticks has ever done anything that doesn't suck. Especially Mr. Roboto, which is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. But this one makes my face hurt also. <sighs> Sail Away, Sticks with a YX. Feel like this has been around forever. And every show I'm going to say 1979. You're both wrong. 1977. Whatever. It sucks. I was closer. I was closer. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. I can't drink enough Chardonnay to make it okay. If you listen to it long enough, you grow breasts. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.